0: Welcome to Equiosity, the podcast about all things equine, with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexander Curland. I'm the author of The Click That Teaches, a step-by-step guide in pictures, and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. This is part three of our three-part conversation with Lucy Butler. Lucy is a horse owner and a clicker trainer, and as you know by now, she's also a special ed teacher. At the start of this school year, she was assigned all the repeaters for freshman year. That is, all of the students who had failed ninth grade were assigned to her. That would have sent me running for the hills, but Lucy was excited by the opportunity, and I'm excited to be able to share her discoveries with you. The ripples that created this conversation were set in motion last summer, first at one of my virtual clinics, and then at science camp. And in this part of the conversation, one of the questions I ask Lucy is what she has learned from her classroom students that she is taking back to her horses. So the ripples go out and then they ripple back. So it's a wonderful loop. But before we get to that question, we're going to begin with a question Dominique asks about what teachers learn about positive reinforcement when they're going through their training programs.
1: So it's really interesting to go back and forth from my little corner of the building, which is like a pocket of joy, (laughs) down to sort of like business as usual, it, it, it's it's actually really useful. I can sort of look at traditional approaches and apply the lens of a, a sort of a behavior analytic lens to that and see what's going on and experience what that environment feels like and what the outcomes are in that environment, just, you know, again, through observation versus what's going on in my
2: But when people study to become teacher... <laughs> don't don't isn't there anything about positive reinforcement and the fact that learning i'm laughing because yes (laughs) okay so whatever they forget or they they become they, uh, they become all that knowledge is eroded by real life i don't know what because it seems like it should be the main knowledge that this, the teachers should have. They should know about this. They well, should learn it when they are becoming a teacher. teacher. Yeah.
1: I mean, we, yes, you do. You do take like one class on, um, you know, behavior. And interestingly enough, one of the reasons. Okay, so I- like
2: in, in three years uh, in the university, you have this one class, 40 hours, and that's it. Yeah. Something like
1: that. And, and again, as As practitioners of a you know behavior analysis lens for all of us, you know what it's like to look at something theoretically and not actually go through a learning process of building the skill. Mm -hmm. There's absolutely like it's changing a little bit in education. You have more and more undergrad and, and grad school programs that are trying to maybe use like the medical model of doing your like residency and your internship, but in most teacher training programs you just are exposed to all the theory and you okay. just fly through the theory and then you get in a classroom for an internship usually at the end the retention rates are abysmal you have people you know three three years four years of study who then get in a classroom and go oh my god I don't want to do this okay. <laughs> um, because it's you know it's a it's a lot harder than i think um, Maybe culturally there's there's a lot of, you know, attitude you encounter that like, oh, those who can do those who can't teach. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, so so I don't think teachers are ever really set up to have the opportunity to practice. And to make their own approximations and to go through their own learning process to acquire the skill. And then I think you are working against some of the, the frames we were talking about where people also are like, I, this isn't, this is going to somehow be detrimental or, mm. or it's appropriate for the kindergarten and the elementary, but it's not appropriate for you know, young adults and adult learners. Meanwhile, you know, I, I hear this from colleagues who are like, you know, oh, positive reinforcement. Meanwhile, nobody's going to show up if they're not getting their paycheck. There's a lot of stuff we do in the adult world that is driven by, you know, yeah. external reinforcers. And that, reinforcers. Yeah. And that <laughs>
0: example is always given. So basically yeah. you're, you're, what you're saying is the, the teachers in the way that they're being trained they're not being set up for success mm-hmm. they're just thrown right. in sort of at the deep end and, and said yeah. now apply what you've been learning over the last three years three quarters of which you've already forgotten
2: yeah. and then we'll give you a script
1: yes yeah. <laughs> yeah. which is probably why we have to give you a script yes. yeah maybe yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I think, um you know, what ends up happening is a lot of people resort to whatever they saw modeled back to your point, Dominique, yeah. about what we actually lived through and experience. A lot of people mm-hmm. just recreate what they experienced as yeah. students themselves. So yeah. You yeah. Do, and you, you know, do what, you know, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. And you, you figure out like we've talked about at, at science camp in a, a model, an error-based model, where it's trial and error, so many of these young teachers go in, and they are just, you know, treading water. They are just trying to survive. It is brutal to be first through three, third year of teaching is brutal. brutal, and they're just trying to survive, and they're, it's just trial and error, spaghetti at the wall, like, okay, if that worked with that one kid, and then just read, you know, in, in in most of our public settings where you have huge classroom sizes and, you know, they're teaching six classes, it's also then on the repetition, you know, so your reinforcement history, it, it gets, you know, you get reinforced really fast. What's going to get you to that survival? Like, oh, I can keep my head above water.
2: And you're right. Uh, if the, I suppose the later, well, in high school anyway, maybe later it becomes a little bit better because people who are there later, they want to be there, they want to learn, they want to study. But in high school, you know, we hear things that we've never heard before. We've just heard something here where a student actually uh, put a knife in their teacher. I I don't remember (laughs) what was the problem. But anyway, that was not I mean, it's not something you would have heard before. And there's more and more talk now about metal detector. When students enter high school, because it's so, it's become a very harsh Mm -hmm. environment Um, here in, um, in Quebec, there was just, and and with the social network, Mm -hmm. there was here, very strange thing happened just a few weeks ago, it was like front page, there's this on Instagram, there's a place, I don't know if that's, I didn't know about that phenomenon, but um, there's there are pages called the, sc- the school name and then confessions. So confessions mm-hmm. from this high school, this high school. Mm-hmm. And so the students can write anything there anonymously. Mm-hmm. So so they can write things like, I left my meal in the micro, the, the, how do you say that in English, the r- microwave mm-hmm. too long it exploded and I left it there. So that's a confession, okay? So you have all these things that- That's probably them, a
1: mild one too. Yeah, 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 some of them are pretty
2: funny, but yeah, the reason why this made front page was that some students started saying that they were going to go and kill students from this richer private school. Mm-hmm. And so, and it, it went viral and, and the, the, the parents didn't want to send their, their students anymore. And the police had to get involved. And actually the students thought it was anonymous, but when the police gets into, onto social media, they can track you down and they yeah. did. But I mean, this lasted for maybe two, three days. It really disturbed the school because no one was sending, well, some parents were sending their, their students and the police was there, but most parents did not. And so they really disturbed the school for three days. So it's becoming a very harsh environment. So I can understand that some of the teachers want to, I mean, in in balance with this to say, well, yeah, I'd like to do positive reinforcement, but I'm on survival here.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to
2: get through the year um, with these students who are becoming more and more violent and not engaged in the learning that was, And and then this, the other students are saying, well, this is supposed to be our safe place. Mm School is supposed to be a safe place, but it's not anymore. Mm. So it's, uh, I mean, you're dealing with something that's very complex, all these things happening, uh, and then we don't know half of what's happening at home. So. Right.
1: Yeah. 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 But I I think, you know, focusing on the environment that we as educators have any impact on is is the starting point and what you just described Dominique we had a thing right before the holiday break like that on TikTok um, where nationwide it was supposed to be a bring a weapon to school and get violent day <laughs> and okay. it, yeah and it disrupted same thing I had less than half of students were in school that day because parents you know, kept them home and we had increased police presence. We don't, the building I work in, we don't actually have metal detectors, um, but it's been a conversation that some of the teachers are having. Should we be doing that? And so it's, it is, it's, you know, it's such a, it's such a dehumanizing yeah, um,
2: yeah. situation so, actually. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So, it, so my heart goes out to the teachers in that way. And you, you're, you need to have a lot of resilience and, and, um, you know, for you to still be so enthusiastic and willing to be a positive contribution—thank God, you know that <laughs> it's still there. <laughs> well, it's definitely you know the
1: positive reinforcement and having the experience of success. What, what you had just said about you know teachers who are feeling the disengagement—that's a negative reinforcer for for them or or a, a, an aversive, I guess. I don't I don't know. They're they're just not experiencing success. They're, the mm-hmm. teachers are experiencing failure. And then to be thinking, um, maybe I'm going in and I'm taking my life in my own hands, because here we have school shootings happening mm-hmm. pretty regularly. It's really, it's it's heartbreaking. And, uh, you know, it can be scary. I, I think for me personally, I just kind of don't think about the potential for violence, because I think mm-hmm. if I got up every day and Focused on that and thought about it. I mean, how, how would you? Oh, yeah. right, right. Yeah. How would you go? And, in? and whatever you
2: whatever you focus on will take more and more place. So yeah. yeah. So yeah. you focus instead on that bubble of, of joy. Of joy right? yeah. created in your
1: classroom. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, Alex, it makes me think about it at Science Camp when I think Mary, Mary Hunter showed the video of the rats that were given um, there was no was it that there was no consistent cue before they received the aversive? That was uh,
0: that vodka study with the rats yes. that
1: Jesus uh, shared with us. Yes. That was so powerful. I watched that and I I had such a strong emotional reaction to that to see mm. how the, the learners started to devolve into, you know, it wasn't just disengagement. They actually started to get destructive. They started to you know, tear up their environment. I just, I went, that's school. That, mm. that happens in schools. When, when you have, you know, really intense behaviors like that, I, I that, <laughs> it's yeah. happening. It's happening. Yeah. So.
0: How animals behave and how we behave, they're not two separate planets. Right. Yeah. Right, so, yeah. So, so, which is a lovely segue for another question, which is, so what have you taken from uh this great classroom experiment how is that uh informed impacted changed how you're working with your mayor (laughs) (laughs) um let's see she now trailer loads she now
1: trailer loads yeah (laughs) yeah i mean i think i think it's just a deeper, deeper commitment to positive reinforcement than ever before. I was, you know, working with a a instructor, a riding trainer who was more traditional. And I just, I just like, I couldn't do it anymore. I was like, I just can't, this isn't, this isn't, um, uh, I'm just not going to allow that environment. I see how powerful a positive reinforcement environment is for humans and for animals, and I'm I'm not going to do it. So I, I, I also got lucky that I had a clicker-friendly trainer move into the area, uh, but I started working with her. I think I'm thinking a little bit more about how to use environment and how to use cues as well, you know, and thinking about, again, the same thing I'm doing in my classroom where I'm thinking about how can I be really deliberate about generalizing a skill, so giving the learner the chance to not just be able to perfect that loop in the ring or in the trailer at home, but how can we, you know, go and build that sort of durability in different settings. I'm thinking a lot more about the component skills. I, my previous trainer had really wanted me to work on, on canter departures and correct lead. And I talked to Alex about it last month and I just, I'm perfectly willing to, to shelf it and really work on, you know, do we have the prerequisite skills for this? No, we don't. (laughs) It it doesn't, it's fine. You know, like you said, Alex, the cantor will be there and, you know, what does she need on, on different levels too? There's the emotional level, there's the physical level, and then there's like the, the place where they connect and that's the skill. So Does she have the physical strength and comfort to do this? Does she know what to do with her body? Have we practiced it, you know, the balance and the movements at the walk enough? And is she emotionally, you know, she has a history of um, anxiety with those canter departures. And I don't know if it was pain in the past or she's unbalanced or she's just worried about it. And I'm not going to ask her to do that until she can have a relaxed feeling around it. So, um, and, you know, and I think about my students, it's the same thing, like coming into school and feeling that anxiety building, you know, we, we have to, we have to work on creating enough success for them that they can feel good when they come into school. So yeah, I think there's a lot of going both ways. Yes, um, for sure. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Do you find yourself thinking about mini habits when you're working with, with her. And how how yeah. can I set up a mini habit and what mini habits should I set up or, and, and mini habits for her, mini habits
1: for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, definitely like thinking about thin slicing and those tiny little loops. Cause I think mini habits is just another way of saying, you know, a loop a behavior loop. Yeah. and and then expanding it out and feeling success
2: working. yeah experiencing uh-huh. success of fulfilling your goal because usually what people do is they set too big a goal and then they feel like a failure because they won't do it over time They'll, Yeah. you know come february it's over and so yet again they feel unsuccessful and and thinking about how to build the like the skill building
1: into like other habits, like pairing the habits. So I have been working for a while now on on leg lifts, shoulder lift and leg lift with my mare. And I had a goal of wanting her to be able to lift all four legs, you know, independently for mobility and strengthening and just kind of getting that balance. And I started to incorporate it um, into our grooming routine so that she's getting warmed up while we're standing there and you know in the hind end she's she's going to be 18 in may and she's got some arthritis and you know so it's important to keep her moving but it's also important to be really aware of the mobility impact you know that the arthritis can have and so you know we started with if she'll just on the hind end when we first get to the we Um, groom at the trailer because it's parked in the ring. (laughs) So when we get there and as I'm brushing, when I get to her hind end, the cue is as I, as I brush over the leg, she lifts in the front. She's got this happy, lovely lift. And in the back, if she'll just like literally just cock, cock the foot, that's great. But by the end of usually a grooming session, as I go over a couple passes, she's starting to warm up and she'll start giving me a bigger and bigger lift. And if we do this every time, you know, I'm, I'm there five, six days a week, I over the past like six months, her mobility has incre- just, it's yes. amazing what she's doing on her hind end now. And I can also tell if she's having a creaky day because yes. she's going to give me more if she's feeling warm and good. And if she gives me just the little toe, t- toe tap, I know, okay, you know, she's feeling a certain way on her hind end. That's been, that one has been so cool to see how that's built both physically and emotionally for her too. Um, her willingness to just engage in the hindquarters and, and just move so much better back there through just that tiny little, little thing. So.
0: And that's that's such an important comment that you made of that you can begin to gauge, okay, she's been offering really good leg lifts today. They're not there. You need to pay attention to that. So for whatever reason, maybe it's one of those cold, damp days where Mm -hmm. you're creaky in your joints. So I know that if I'm going to ride that my expectations need to be adjusted accordingly. And because there's nothing like, uh, oh, you just had this really glorious ride the day before. And it was so it was so wonderful, and you want you want to pick up on the next ride exactly where you were. Yeah. Meanwhile, she's like, "I'm sore, right? I'm I really cried. creaky today. It's, you know, the barometric pressure has changed, and yeah. I just feel ancient today. Yeah. And and then you get on, but you're expecting the day before, and it's so hard not to." have an emotional reaction to why aren't you you know yesterday's horse why are you today's horse and I don't want today's horse I want yesterday's horse so but when you have those measures to say oh okay I need to adjust because I can see this is I can see she's really mobilized today very cool Mm -hmm. definitely this is a riding day or she's a little creaky today how am I going to adjust my warm-up accordingly. And I love yeah. it like that.
1: Or there's something, yeah, definitely like adjust the warm-up or maybe we're going to work on, there's always something to be working on and right. so maybe we'll work on something else that's on my list, you know, the, tra- the trailer loading and the generalizing of the trailer loading because we can go somewhere else on the farm and practice that. So it does, it, it creates this uh amazing baseline for me you know and it's just now that's become our habit and and the cues were all built in they're environmental it's, it's when we stand by the trailer um at the beginning of our session it's built into while we're grooming the time is is really nice cuz it's it's time that you know we have to do we're going to groom right, right and it's you know it's it's built into the i don't know the the pattern so so that's been a really cool mini habit. And then, you know, and, and we're now we're working a little bit playing around with some Spanish walk and just and just stretching forward because I noticed when the barefoot trimmer is there and she needs to stretch forward onto the hoof jack, that she's not super comfortable with that forward stretch. So we've been working on on some body targeting that's come out of these leg lifts where she's stretching further. And I just, she was just trimmed on Tuesday. And I noticed she was fantastic this Tuesday on, on the, the forward wow. Excellent. movement. So, you know, so it just starts to, to uh, evolve into other great skills. And, yes. And, yes. and because
0: of your experience this fall with the data collecting, it gives, you know, you, you're now more aware of tracking those changes. You know? Yeah,
1: Michaela has really inspired me to video. So I, I, I did get a um, Pivo, the little video yep. camera guy, and I have been videoing a lot more. Um, and it's been useful for me when I look at myself when I ride and I go, oh, look at that leg position. Or oh, you know? <laughs> and no, So no, we have to celebrate success. Remember that. Yes, <laughs> <that's right>.
0: true. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't practice what I preach with myself. Yes, yes. Must um, celebrate success.
1: Look, I'm yeah. riding. <laughs> I'm riding. <laughs> Let's start yeah. with that. I'm riding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and um, so yeah, seeing, you know, and, and also being sort of intentional about what what are my criteria and what are the skills that I'm actively trying to build why <laughs> why am I doing them so um so yeah I, and I sometimes I toy around with like when I actually set up a spreadsheet and you know actually do a sort of yes no condition and what what's the criteria. I think with with My horse, I feel a little bit more like I like the visual in the video, Um, but I know you can always code it. So once, you know, you have the the visual, I could always say this is exactly what I'm looking for. Am I seeing it? And, you know, let's say with the leg lift and working towards Spanish walk, I could start videoing those sessions and see how they're going. If there's something in the loop I don't like, I could introduce a different intervention. And I've been learning how to say here is a phase change am about to change by doing something different. And then I can measure from there and see what kind of, you know, uh, behavior comes out of that. So, so baselines, baselines and phase changes are really intriguing. <laughs>
0: okay. So talk to us about that. So you, let's say you're working on leg lifts and Spanish mm-hmm. walk and you're seeing that she's maybe uh, instead of lifting the leg up, she's pulling her front leg down and pawing. Uh, yeah.
1: i <laughs> <Yes. laughs> definitely seen that. Yeah. So I, so I could start there and say, okay, here's my baseline. We've got a kind of cute behavior right now where she's targeting my fist. So we have a fist bump, um, but then it can turn into a, a kind of paw or a herky jerky, you know? And I also am right now, like, how do I get her to start stretching out? And I've kind of identified I needed to actually be stretching here first, right? So yeah, I could take from video the shoulder. From the shoulder. Yeah, yeah. sorry. <laughs> and no one can see me on my, <laughs> my little Zoom. Um, so I needed to start stretching from the shoulder first, actually, to make that lift nice, clean lift. So, you know, I can take the video now and get the the pawing action. And then I can I can say, okay, I'm gonna uh sort of examine the loop. You know, what am I doing with my body that might be causing that to happen? What am I doing with my timing, with my click? What am I doing with my food delivery? And I can define my criteria. I actually want to see maybe as I'm asking her to target my fist, I want to see the shoulder. When I see the shoulder move up, that could be my click point. And that could be a phase change because that's a deliberate moment when I've changed my behavior and my intervention has changed. And then I can collect some data and some video on that phase. What kind of difference am I seeing in in the loop? And then, you know, so when we go have the proverbial cup of tea, Alex, those are opportunities for a phase change. Anytime I start to change the element, now I have a phase change, so.
0: And you know, what to me is really exciting in this is what you're describing is a way in which you can be your own teacher and coach and that, yes, it's lovely to get together. You know, we've had the uh, coaching sessions from the virtual clinics and, and they will continue into the, uh, into next year. And and those are valuable and they're wonderful and they're fun, but in between it's just us, you know, you're (laughs) just by, you know, and, and I hear so often from people, but you don't understand, I'm all by myself. It's yeah. like we're all all by ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> you know? We're all doing this on our own. I'm, I, don't, I don't have a coach. You know, we're all, all yeah. on our own. But here are, here's a process. Here are tools. Here are ways of thinking that can help you to continue to move forward, to grow to expand your training, to be successful, to have successes that you can measure and not just feel though you're stuck or treading water with a horse, but what you're describing is a wonderful process for becoming your own good instructor.
1: And and I think that's like, to kind of go full circle back to the students, like to me, that's the experience of being a really resilient learner is that this process you know, it's just so exciting and fun and rewarding when you can, yeah, you can run into a spot where, oh no, my horse is lifting her leg, but giving me this crazy pawing behavior. But I always say it's kind of like finger painting when we, when we start to learn these principles where we can really have a lot of joy and we can get a little messy, like, ah, it's getting a little messy, but it's okay. Because I can go back and I can look at it. And and this can actually be fun when you go through that process of like, oh, what's going on? And then you tweak it a little and you have a little success. There's that whole seek, that seek system in our brain. You you and then you you have a little success and that becomes so inherently rewarding. Yes. Um and then, you know, and then you then you feel like you have some, you know, Alex, you always say the keys to the kingdom. You you can go and play. In a a way,
2: it's great because um, certainly in traditional training, you know, you have to have your instructor. A lot of people, that's how they ride and how they learn riding, whereas we're being given tools where we can experiment and be our own instructor, and it gives us much more control. Yes. I like that part, you know, control over what I want to teach my horse, what I don't want to teach my horse, how I do it. So I think it's great to be alone <laughs> in a way. Yeah. You know, it's great to be able to do something, even though we are alone. I yeah. love it. You know, whereas before, no instructor around, I'm stuck. I can't do. I don't know how to teach my horse anything. Yeah. And it's gotten messy. And and, yeah. and when so it now messy, what do I do? Now I'm I do
0: and and now instead it's oh it's time for that cup of tea let me go because i have a system and i'm going to look at my video <laughs> yeah, yeah and i have
1: my video and i can put my thinking cap on yeah. and 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 i can experiment and play and and then there's the other piece of it which is what the horse is bringing to the equation like there's there really is that interplay where you know and i don't know if this is more or less, if all folks working with clicker trained horses see this, but my horse is really, once she figures out something's hot and it's in repertoire, she wants to offer it a lot. Um, I just, I recently, (laughs) this is a weird one, but I recently taught her how to pee on cue because she was peeing in the trailer. Almost every time we loaded her, she would just let loose. And so my it's not my trailer. It's my riding buddy's trailer, and she said, "Wouldn't it be great if you could put that on cue?" And I said, <laughs> "Let's try." So we got it. I got it on cue. I whistle, and she knows that means oh pee. But now <laughs> I went to a lesson, and she peed four times in the lesson. <laughs> So, so, you know, but but it's interesting <laughs> to see what is their favorite behavior, what's their favorite component skill, what is she offering me right now, why is she offering me that skill, and sometimes I feel like she has ideas about what, you know, should be going on, or we should be doing, or what would be fun right now that then give me ideas, and, and she does train me back in some ways, you know, I try to be really good about cues but sometimes she she's creative <laughs> she she has a novel idea that's about right. you know so so that's that's you know when it gets really fun when you don't have to feel so like also oh, worried about the pathological aspect of the behavior when it's it's more like the behavior is your art material <laughs> <Yes. Yeah. laughs> yes. you
0: can create something Together. And your your art material is par, is creating along with you. Yeah, so that, that they're important. It sounds like uh, Dominique, the conversation that we just that we just had. Yeah, with Woody, with
2: his yeah. uh, backing up. <laughs>
0: but the, the other the other neat thing in this is you know, when you with your students, when you start measuring success. You're looking mm-hmm. at oh look, if you just change one point. Look what it, you know, you've changed one point this week. Let's yep. celebrate that. You went up one point. And you, you think a scale of from zero, because some of your students were starting at zero, zero to a hundred, one point. What's one point? Well, one point's huge. It's everything. It's everything. And Everything's always made of one little point, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and the same thing with the horses that we think, you know, I'm, I am want to work on Spanish walk. And so I can only feel successful when my horse has that beautiful chambet, you know, that, that leg expression. Or the, and they're able to walk it forward. And that's when I will feel successful. It's like, oh, dear. <laughs> but when you can measure yeah. the success of, oh, look, she's lifting her shoulder. Wow. And I, and I saw it. Yeah. And I clicked it. Wow. And it's becoming uh-huh. consistent. And because she's doing that, this other piece is starting to emerge. So you're you're measuring success, not at the outcome end of things, but you're measuring success within the process.
1: process. Yes. Yeah. And that that becomes the joy, you know, and that that's what I was feeling when I would go work with Rowan, go work with my horse, and then I would go back into school or I'd be at school thinking, "Oh, I can't wait to go play with learning and behavior with my horse." Here I am. I am a professional, you know, engaged in an environment that's supposed to be about learning and behavior, and I can't wait to go do this other thing. Mm. And that—that that was that moment when I was like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> yeah. could be, I could be doing this. I could. My whole day could be playing with with learning and behavior if we just, you know, if I just." Take those principles and apply them in this other environment. So
2: I would love to have you back in five years and <laughs> let us know how this all evolved. And you know, I really hope you keep that beautiful spark because it's um, you know it's very refreshing after hearing all these news about school being so harsh to see that there's still a lot of well, I don't know if there's a lot, but to see your light, you know, <laughs> yes. your enthusiasm, and and your results. Thank important. you. Yeah, I would love to do that, and and I'm so hopeful. I mean, the the
1: biggest. The biggest motivator of all is, you know, the possibilities for my students. There's just nothing better than thinking about, you know, Alex, what you said about that one point, that one point for them could turn into whatever they want to do with their lives. You know, if they really walk away knowing like, oh, it just is one point. You know, if I just look at everything is that one little thing they can do and achieve whatever. So it's life changing. Absolutely
0: life changing very yeah. exciting so I, I know that you're going to keep me updated periodically so it'll be fun maybe at the end of the year to get another report on mm. how this is well oh, that'd be great yeah, yeah yeah yeah
2: that'd be awesome
0: so we absolutely wish you just <laughs> enormous success and joy and creativity and really thank you immensely for joining us today because this is mm. a Great! Thank you for having me. Thank you, <laughs> Miss. <You're welcome>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I'm not going to be dreading going back to work after the end of the holidays. I'm I know I'm all fired up. Wow! <laughs> so, yeah, that's <laughs> a, a difference. Uh, uh, a reinforcer in and of itself to that's to right. get that's excited right. to Indeed. see what the second half of the year will bring. Yeah.
0: Good things. Yes. Very good things. Well, thank you. Thanks thank you both. Lucy helped us welcome in the new year at the beginning of the month, and our conversation has brought us almost to the end of January. We're certainly rolling forward into 2022. This coming weekend is the Clicker Expo. Michaela Hempen will be joining me for a presentation on her work with Blondie. You heard Michaela talk about Blondie in the podcast that we did with her in December At the expo, we'll be sharing video of that work. So if you have signed up for the Clicker Expo, I hope you'll come join us on Sunday for that presentation. I won't give the time because the time is going to depend upon where you live, what your time zone is. It'll be 11 a.m. Eastern time for me and later in the afternoon for Michaela. So I'll leave it up to you to figure out what time it will be for you. And do check the schedule and come join me for my other presentations. I'll be doing several panels, and I'm going to be doing a really fun presentation on reversibility. So I'm really looking forward to those. So that's the expo. And then in February, we're going to start a conversation here with uh, Dr. Claire St. Peter. Claire is the behavior analyst Lucy connected with via Science Camp. Of course, speaking of science camp, our first science camp of the year begins February 17th. So there's still, I think, a space or two left if you want to join us for that. And then there are the virtual clinics. I'm going to keep the clinics under my proverbial hat for a little bit longer. You're going to have to wait a couple more weeks to hear about them. I'll just give you the tease that I'm really pleased with what is emerging. If you want to take a deep dive with me into the details of my work and really see how all the pieces fit together, this will be the way to do it. I'm really looking forward to being able to share this year's clinics with you. But first, there's the Clicker Expo and Science Camp to look forward to. And of course, our conversation beginning next time with Dr. Claire St. Peter. So lots to look forward to, lots to do. And of course, as always, stay well and have fun with your horses.